0: Hey guys, and welcome to the Family Business in podcast. We are the voice of African family business, promoting generational wealth and generational legacies. And my name is Susan Tendi. And I am Nika Anani. And we're going to be taking you through the journey of African family business. Hi everyone, and welcome to this fourth session on day two of the African Family Business Research Conference, which is brought to you by African uh, by African Family Firms and Nelson Mandela University Family Business Unit in collaboration. For this session, I have with me Sanelisiswe Bulelwa Shap, and she's going to be presenting on. Integrated reporting as a trigger of transformative organizational change within listed South African family businesses, the role of social emotional wealth. Over to you, Sunny.
1: Hello, and thank you all for making the time to join me in this session. As a point of departure, maybe perhaps to add to the introduction, I'm also both a researcher as well as a practitioner of communication. Um, that means that I consult both in South Africa and outside of it on corporate disclosure frameworks that are prevalently claimed to facilitate sustainability. So in my research, both in this project that I'm discussing today and outside of it, I'm always interested in how um, power shows up in communication, um, how it's inscribed, how it's described, and how sometimes it's even disruptive. Um, but the claim of inquiry that I'm interrogating in my PhD really comes from a 2017 article um, uh, that, that gave me the, the impulse to to do a PhD, I read an article by a very famous um, PhD scholars, Eccles and Spiesenhöfer, um, who very famously published that integrated reporting was able to reimagine capitalism. Now, as a student of communication, this was an interesting claim. More interesting about this claim is that in this article and in articles before it, Robert Eccles um, has been famously um, stating that integrated reporting can trigger transformative organizational change in the context that he insistently locates this claim in is South Africa. As a South African scholar, this intrigued me. Now, integrated reporting emerged after the various corporate scandals that came to light in the early 2000s. And there was a public outcry that followed about how exactly... um, organizations are left to be these irresponsible organs in society. And so the King Code of Corporate Governance wanted to ensure that the focus um, and the content of corporate reports would change considerably because up until then, corporate reports were really financial narratives that were focused and orientated to um, shareholders as the primary audience. So to align the uh, the bubbling demands of a fed up society, the King Code of Corporate Governance, which is the rule book in South Africa that outlines the accepted principles of practice um, in the country. And it's written by the Institute of Directors and relevant for both private and public organization um, it wanted to, in its second and third volume, to introduce the idea um, of of broadening the scope um, of of corporate reports. It wanted to in uh, marry both financial and non financial narratives, so that um, a corporate re- report would then include both. Um, perspectives of all key stakeholders. An integrated report, then what that means is a comprehensive, it becomes a comprehensive narrative where a company engages its stakeholder to inquire and respond to the key concerns um, about how the resources that the stakeholder represents are um, used. Um, in order to make a product or service that the organization makes. And in corporate disclosure language, this product or service is called value. Um, Integrated reporting argues that through a process of the organization going out to these key stakeholders and inquiring what their concerns are, coming in and responding to those concerns and accounting for those concerns in this one report that gives financial and non-financial perspectives, then the organization will begin to generate insights that make the managers of the organization make better decisions and as a result become a responsible organization. This process then is what echoes, and a lot of other proponents of integrated reporting are claiming to be um, the reason why integrated reporting can indeed transform the organization. This process of inquiry, then responding, then accounting is referred to in integrated reporting as integrated thinking. And it's this integrated thinking that as a key takeaway becomes then the trigger of transformative organizational change. But of course, as I said, what intrigued me about this claim is not the claim as such, but rather the context in which the claim is being made. In a context like South Africa, which only, um, had the event of democracy in, in 1994. And, um, transformation has been a journey, um, that has political, social and economic implications and has been riddled with, um, interventions that often fall short of their claim. Um, in a country that has his, uh, historically been structured along structural discrimination, systemic, um, uh, um, oppression and exclusion and exp- exploitation along configured lines of race and gender and ethnicity, particularly in the organization. It means that when transformative organizational change is being claimed in this context, it has to mean a little bit more than just an alteration. The um, implication for transformative organizational change in this context means that change has to be fundamental. It has to pierce right to the core of organi- an intervention, rather, has to be able to pierce right to the core of an organization and change it structurally um, in 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 terms of discipline and operation, but also interpersonally. So there are different domains in which that change would have to impact in order for it, in this context, that is it's sub- Africa, still seeking to be post-colonial, still seeking to be post um, where change can be accepted as transformation. A further curiosity of mine is that something that Eccles and other proponents of um, integrated reporting don't consider when they make this claim is that a majority of these companies that are mandated with integrated reporting in South Africa since 1994 are listed organization and a majority of listed organizations, what we know from family business literature, are family businesses. and Family business literature tells us that in family businesses, there is a key component that is the family that usually directs the strategic direction, the culture, how the business operates based on not only the business's objectives, but also the family's objectives. What this means is that the family tends to also have its own set of goals that it prioritizes equally with the business's goals. Because they are the founding family, they usually also set the precedence for the culture of the organization. They set the precedence for how the organization will make its decisions, the behavioral attributes of the organization in its operating context which stakeholders the organization prioritizes and which stakeholders the organization overlooks. These are aspects, family business literature tells us, that are very important for the family businesses that often make that change, transformational or not, is complicated in a family um, business rather than eased because of this component. So when um integrated reporting as an intervention that is supposed to trigger transformative organizational change is claimed, it is done so not with um considering who these businesses are. So In summary, my dissertation is concerned about this gap. If integrated reporting is alleged to be a trigger of transformative organizational change, that can pierce through to the core of a business. But we know that to listed family businesses who are uh, to listed organizations that are mandated with integrated reporting, a majority of them are family businesses that have a family component that will, at least based on family business literature, tend to want to protect the core then what we have in the literature is a gap in the knowledge, but also a gap in how we practice and what we believe in when we're practicing integrated reporting. So... As a problem statement from my dissertation, I'm saying there is no evidence that proves that integrated reporting can, in fact, trigger transformative organizational change um, within a post-colonial post-apart South Africa that still faces a lot of social, political, and emerging institutional demands about it fundamentally changing. And the reason that we have no evidence for this is that there has been, such as we've seen an example of Eccles and Schweizerhofer and other proponents of integrated reporting, there's been a total neglect of who these family, who these listed businesses are and where the power resides within these family businesses. There is a family component that is completely neglected and completely overlooked. And because there's a family component that is neglected and overlooked in literature, it means that the theory that family business can offer us is also neglected. Family business literature often tells us that they are behavioral attributes. Um, that uh, um, behavioral attributes that can give us a better insight in terms of how and why uh, um, the family component would, for instance, either facilitate change or prevent change based on what they are protecting or what they are committed to. But because we don't look at this family component, we don't understand how and why and in which moments they would act or not act or what would cause them to facilitate change change or prevent change? Another um, thing that I'm interested in in my problem statement that I've seen in the literature is that it's very similar to echoes and spasm um, of. There is a total neglect of the context in which this claim is being made. Integrated reporting being claimed to be transform- transformative in a context that is seeking to be post-colonial and post apartheid and yet in these same publications, there is no speaking towards the social context. The political context, the institutional context, that must definitely influence how the family component reacts and also then how change is um, applied or engaged with, whether it's demanded or actually practiced. And so all of these things together come then and influence the, the central question of of my dissertation, which is how, if at all, the pursuit and preservation of social emotional wealth, which are these family component objectives, um, influences integrated reporting's alleged trigger of transformative organizational change in a country that we must remember is still seeking to be post-colonial and post-apartheid. Um, To address these questions, I break up my study into primary and and secondary objectives where I go out and um, explore this empirically with interviews with key family members of listed family businesses. Um, my, my aim is to explore whether socio-emotional wealth, which are these objectives that are family-specific, um, um, whether that, in fact, um, influences uh, integrated reporting and its application in a family business. And if it does, what is the nature of this influence and the extent of it? Um, my hope is that by by understanding these two um, questions together, we can either prove or disprove this claim that integrated reporting can trigger transformative organizational change. But to get, um, to, to this proving or disproving, I broke up my study into, um, bite sized chunks where I try and give a better understanding of what exactly transformative organisational change can be accepted as in a context like South Africa, what it is, what is integrated reporting, why is it so relevant in the South African context, Um, what is socio-emotional wealth in a family business, what is socio-emotional wealth in a family business in South Africa and so with all of these questions together I've um, written my theoretical chapters, and through these um, theoretical chapters, I've developed a conceptual map, which I plan to empirically test through interviews with about hopefully eight or nine family businesses where I ask them um, about this claim and the relationship in their businesses as they see it um, between integrated reporting and and, um, transformative organizational change in South Africa when developing this conceptual map i was also very specific about locating my investigation in critical management studies which is still emerging in south africa and what this means is that unlike traditional dominant management studies critical management studies specifically accept the organization as a social endeavor which means they argue first and foremost as a as a point of demarch, uh, departure is that the business is a social endeavor that is indisputably affected by its social, political, and institutional environment. So any phenomena that is explored must be explored with this in mind. Um, and same, the same is done in my study. What I mean by this is that when I accept the organization as a social endeavor, it means that when I'm trying to understand whether or not integrated reporting does trigger transformative organizational change. And if socio-emotional wealth influences this process, it means that there must be a way in which I look at transformative organizational change that considers the social and political and institutional context. And there must also be a way I analyze this transformative organizational change that also considers this political, social, and um, institutional uh, context, which currently in the literature is not done. Now, as I'm saying, in South Africa, the context is still seeking to be post-colonial, is still seeking to be post apartheid which means there is a need when interventions of change are introduced for these interventions, what they must achieve in the first place is one for organizations to acknowledge that they come from a colonial construction. At the beginning, I stated that a lot of South African organizations are rooted in a culture of exploitation, subjugation, um, and, and oppression. This has informed the structure of organization. It has informed the, the culture and, and, and discipline of organization. It has also informed interpersonal and interest intrapersonal relationships within the organization. When we read in post-colonial theory or decolonial theory within management, we see that in order then for change or an intervention to be transformative in this kind of context, it must acknowledge this colonial construction history. It must also acknowledge how this construction is performed through different domains of structure, culture, and intrapersonal. And then in order for it to really want to intervene and radically fundamentally change, it must commit to how it's going to undo this situation in order then for these structural, disciplinary and interpersonal domains to be conducted in a new way that is aligned to the new post-colonial, post-update South African societal demands. So only when an intervention meets these um, prerequisites can we believe the intervention to be transformative. And in my um, chapter, um, or in my theoretical chapter, I argue that I'm not sure if integrated reporting really meets those demands from a post-colonial society that is now also seeking to decolonize. Um, Now, that's how I'm going to look At the intervention of change. But then also there's the analysis of change. When I also looked at transformative change literature, I found that critical um, literature on transformative organizational change says that change doesn't just take place. Change only takes place when a company is reacting to an external shock or jolt. Laughlin calls this a jolt, and later in the years to come, um, uh, Naomi Klein famously calls this a shock doctrine. What this means is that change can never be spoken about in a decontextualized way. There's a reason. There's, I mean, the organization only undergoes change when there's an explicit and specific reason for it to do so. And even then, even if it does engage in this process of a change, it won't necessarily, by application result in a fundamental radical change that pierces to its core. There are specific pathways and specific kinds of jolts um, or, 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 or shocks that will result in an organization Um, um, really uh, its intervention accepting it as transformative and this means that there are different, um, uh, Laughlin outlined that there are different layers um, of the organization that it's willing to change depending on the nature of the shock. The very external means that, okay, we understand the society wants us to do something and so we'll make a little bit of um, tangible alterations. We'll make a, you know, kind of quota change there, a diversity appointment there We'll maybe even change how organization looks. But all of this is very um, much in the periphery. It's on the external level of the organization. It doesn't necessarily change the structures of the organization, this kind of change. It doesn't necessarily change the culture of the organization, this kind of change. It's just aesthetic, if you will. And then there's a second layer of change. A second layer of change means that, okay, the organization might be a little bit shifted by this shock. Um, this means that depending on what this shock that comes in from the society here, in the case being integrated reporting, the organization might take in the demands that come from integrated reporting and go one step further and change indeed the structures of its organization, change the way that it looks, it talks. Um, but again, to be clear, at this level, it is one step further than aesthetic and superficial, but it's still not quite changing the core of the business. So when we go back to the domains that Rukala and um, Hooks are speaking about, we are seeing that they might change the structural domains in terms of the functioning structures or the hierarchies of the organization. But in this level of change, which Laughlin calls morphogenic change, the organization is not touching um, on culture. It's not touching on how the company operates. It's only at the revolutionary stage if an organization allows an intervention to pierce through to its decision makers values, its decision makers beliefs, and its decision makers way of seeing the world. So in the context of this um, conversation that I'm having today, it means that only when integrated reporting shocks the organization through its requirements to such an extent that it pierces right through the decision makers um, and changes their their decision making, like integrated um, integrated thinking claims, only at this stage is then change transformative. Anything before that is only simply change, but not necessarily transformative change. So now that I've um looked at how I will look at change and how I will analyze change, I see that the current claim has a lot of gaps more clearly. Um, when we look at the current claim, as I stated in my in my statement earlier, we see that the current claim says that by merely applying integrated reporting, this will directly result in transformative organizational change and what this shows is that this is decontextualized. This is a decontextualized claim that is not specific about the characteristics of the context like South Africa um, and also it misses a very key component of the organization which we've already highlighted as the family which has other um, um, objectives that might either mediate or facilitate this intervention and so the conceptual map I've drawn is to add to this claim and hopefully um, critically inquire this claim empirically. I take from post-colonial theory, decolonial theory, and Afro-feminist theory to look at how um, the demands of society are taken in, absorbed or not absorbed by integrated reporting and its requirements and how integrated reporting is then practiced. I then consider What role might the family and its presence as a component that has other objectives play in between integrated reporting and um, transformative organizational change? Does it influence it at all? Is this influence a moderating effect, a mediating effect? Is it um, not an effect at all? This is what I'm trying to um, investigate. In which I'm in right now is I've drawn up this conceptual map. I've written out the um, the questions for for the family um, members as well as the corporate disclosure practitioners of the organisation. And currently, I'm in the process of trying to find who the participants of the study will be to see. How, if at all, socio-emotional wealth or the presence of the family component influences integrated reporting as a trigger of transformative organizational change? And subtle in that question is, is integrated reporting transformative at all, especially in a country like South Africa that is still very much seeking to be post-colonial and post day? There are a couple of imagined contributions. Sorry, I think I want to stop here because I see there's lots of questions. Um, but I, and I also see the time. So maybe, if you'll allow me, um, I'd rather, since this is the last slide, use that for, um, a possible discussion.
0: Yes, sure. So would you like me to go through some of the questions? Um, I would, I probably, would, let me allow you to choose the question you would like to answer. Um based on the fact that we have I will give you at least three minutes so that we can switch over to the next session they'll give us very little yeah. time to switch over to the next session so you I, I'm i sure you've looked at uh, the questions is there one in particular you would like to answer
1: I haven't actually looked at them but let me see
0: okay uh, uh, da, 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 does any of
1: this report and session is specific on FBs? Okay. So I, don't really and
2: I think you can skip the question on generalizability because, um, this is a qualitative study and your, your main aim is not in the first place to generalize. So that's yes. the question of, 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 um, Victor. But I think what would be interesting is, uh, the, the question from Professor Farrington. Mm -hmm. um how would you identify listed south african family businesses and that's something that you can answer now very well because we've been battling with that (laughs) and i understand that your study will be qualitative so how will you assess the moderating role of socio-emotional wealth and that i think you can elaborate more than three minutes on but if you can keep it to three minutes
1: I will do so. So how we, thank you very much. I hope you have enjoyed this, the presentation. Um, so how I will contact the, 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 the participants is that I'm currently working through the biggest Excel spreadsheet I've ever seen in my life, <laughs> which has a list of all the South African, um, listed organizations on the Johannesburg Stock Exchange. And what I'm doing is tabulating from that information that also has the key top um uh, shareholders of the of that listed organization i'm identifying which of those key stakeholders of course have families or family trusts between them that will then bring it down to about I think, 20 or 30 um, companies. And then I'm specifically right now working with PwC um, to reach out to who in that list do they have a relationship with. But um, this is not limited to PwC. So I'm reaching out to people like PwC, can also be KPMG, can also be any kind of financial advisory services that has relationships in either through advisory or auditing um to contact them on my behalf i do have some um some good leads from pwc luckily so that is how i'm going to um engage the 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 participants and in terms of uh, the second question which was a matter of uh, generalizability is that correct professor venter
2: no, the the second question was, um, how will you assess the moderating role of social emotional ah, okay. wealth as you are using a qualitative study?
1: Yeah, so I'm not. I'm, I mean, I think the 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 current title is misleading because as I was doing my research, um, we had this discussion actually with both uh, Professor Fenta as well as the co supervisor Professor Stefan Prager to say that perhaps it's too early to when going in to say moderating or mediating, given that given that that is a cause and effect relationship that's actually more quantitative in nature so what I've decided is to drop moderating to look at influence so I'm not trying to see whether it, the influence moderates I'm trying to see first and foremost whether there is an influence so it's not about whether socio-emotional wealth moderates um, uh, integrated reporting as a trigger but rather if socio-emotional wealth is at all um, an and influence and if it is the second part of the question would be what is the nature of this influence and what is the extent of this influence um, so moderation would then be a response of say it would be a nature and extent response that but that I can only find out post these interviews once I have the information to see whether a commitment of socio-emotional wealth plays a role at all and so it's more influence rather than moderation
0: Thank you so much, Sunny, for um, this session. I will just have to ask everyone to just switch over to the next session as we are starting immediately. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you.